There's always a word from the Lord today. Um, before I kind of jump into any of that, though, I do have a couple questions. Because I think that's what we did last time, and um, it's helpful for me. Right? I hope that'll be helpful for you guys, too. How many of you guys have, um, how many of you guys here have already been to prom? Or homecoming, something like that? Yeah, okay. Homecoming. All right. It's okay if you have me. I didn't go to one until I was like a senior in high school. Mm. Hey, I didn't have, who went to prom in like 11th grade? Y'all did that? Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. No judgment, no judgment, nothing. So, for those of you guys who haven't been to prom yet, or for those of you guys who did go to prom, you know how there's a part of prom where you either kind of gather with your friends, right? You meet up at a certain spot, or you meet up at the, at the place of the, or wherever the venue is, right? And you kind of want to go in there with a little bit of style, right? A little bit of swag, right? What did you guys go in there with? Hmm? Sunglasses? He said, you said with Jesus? Amen, amen, amen. You better praise. But if you guys had a chance, right? of a specific car that you would roll up into prom with, what would it be? A Rolls Royce, all right, I like that. J- just go ahead and shout out the cars. A Bugatti, all right. What else, a Tesla? Okay, which one? A Mercedes, all right. Francine, which one? A Lambo, all right. A Toyota, all right. Why y'all laughing at the Toyotas? The Toyotas are, are, are dope. Which one? Which one? A limo, all right, all right, all right. All right, bad, bad, bad. So we got a limo. We got a party bus. What else? All right, I think we, I, I think we got a couple. So we got limo, Mercedes, party bus, all those things. Lucid, yeah, the Tesla, all those things. Cool, cool, cool. So I asked a question because when I was going to prom, Way back when I grew, when I was going to prom, um, I was lucky enough because I had this, my, my brother, my older brother's teacher had like this nice Z4. You guys know what a Z4 is? This is BMW convertible, it's a Z4. And I was like, mm, this is what I got to use. So I rolled up in the Z4, I was like, you know, prom only happens once for me. So, because I only went in, in my senior year. And um, ended up taking that to prom and just showing up, and, you know, getting all the fans. You know, everybody, oh, man, that's nice, nice Z4 you got. They're like, yeah, bet, bet. that's my car, that's my car. Exactly, that's what it was. Rode up in there with a 2008 Z4. Don't try to date me as far as what, what my age is, all right? Don't worry about it. It wasn't a brand new, it was used, all right? On that fence. And then it ended up in a limo as well. So keep that little note that we just talked about there in the back of your heads, Okay. All right. Now, all I've asked, I'll remind you guys one last time. While, we're, while I'm up here, please, all attention, all eyes up here. Focus, all right? If you have your phones out, only use your phone to be taking notes or looking at the scripture, okay? All right. So, I just want to summarize a little quickly about last week's message for those of you guys who may have not been here. Last week, we covered three big points. Does anybody want to shout out what those three are? 
There were a lot, but I think the one that I said that to see Jesus' eyes at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Amen. 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 So we said that we talked last last week to looking at Jesus as our ultimate treasure, our best friend, and our ultimate hope. And we read through John chapter 12. Eight, yeah, one to eight. All right. Amen. So today, and in the story that we kind of talked about is pretty much when um, Mary of Bethany used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet, right? And we talked about how we ought to be servants um, to Christ, right? And servants to one another um, as we go about this world. So if you guys want to listen to what, whatever that, what that message was, feel free to go back into the recording from last week. It's on the podcast. should be good to go. So without wasting any other time, any further ado, there is a word from the Lord today, and there's two of them. So if you gotta, you got to put your hands through, if you got a physical Bible, you got to you know, flip through both of them. Um, the first one's going to be from John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. And then the second one is going to be Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. All right. If your neighbor's sleeping next to you, tell your neighbor, hey, neighbor, wake up. Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. And then we also have John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. Okay? If you're there, say amen. If you need more time, say hold up. Hey, there's a lot of hold up, so. John is a, John is the, is, is the gospel. Okay, the gospel of John, not, not first John, not second John, not third John, okay? Just the John without a number. All right? You guys are there? Amen. Amen, amen. All right, John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. Will you all stand for the reading of God's word, please? You guys join me. So, there's a little bit here, so if you guys, if you guys got to like shake it off, like, you know, got to do some jumping jacks, feel free to. All right. It looks like everybody's good. So John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19. This is the word of the Lord. The next day, the large crowd that had come to to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young, a young donkey, donkey, and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did, did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Jump on over with me really quickly to Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. Mark is just a little bit before John, okay? So, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. The triumphal entry. 
I'm reading from the ESV version, by the way. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a cult tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told and, and they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany and with the twelve. Beloved, look over to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, I don't know all your problems, but I know your biggest one. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So, let me kind of summarize the two things that we've read here. Yes, question. The topic, we'll get into, we'll get into, oh, sorry, yeah, good question. The topic is, oh, you mean the title? The title for today, I'm debating... But for now, the title right now is Everything Has a Purpose, Including You. Everything Has a Purpose, Including You. Amen. So, let me summarize what we just read here. Remember, I always say we give you the who, what, where, why, when, why. We won't go through that pattern today, but kind of give you a good overview just for, this, just for the sake of time that we have. So, of what we just read within John, what we read in Mark. You guys know John, Mark, those are just different recollections. Those are different synopses, right, of the same story, right? So written different way by a different person, their own recollection, retelling the story of the entry of Jesus going into Jerusalem. So as you guys know, we're on Palm Sundays. They were in the season of Easter, right? And Easter is when? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just checking. Easter is next Sunday. So the week before Easter is always Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is just that moment when Jesus enters, finally enters into Jerusalem. And as he's going into Jerusalem, he, um, he sits on this colt. He sits on, a colt, by the way, for you guys, is like a young donkey, right? Like a baby donkey, right? He sits on this colt. And this colt, by the way, it doesn't throw Jesus. This colt is like he's never been sat on before, Right? And he doesn't throw Jesus off, even though he's never been sat on before. Typically, when you have a donkey that has this new rider, it's not going to be very happy with that. Like, it's called a cult of burden for a particular reason, for that particular reason, because it's got to pick up a lot of things. But all of that was done to fulfill the promise. And what promise am I referring to? I'm referring to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 to 10, where 
there's stories about um, the prophecies pretty much saying that, you know, the Savior is going to come on this riding on a donkey, right? Let me read that for you guys real quickly. In case y'all don't believe me. Never take my word for it, all right? Always go to the scriptures. So, and see for yourself, okay? So Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 10, that quickly says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Amen. So this was written thousands of years before, you know, Jesus came into this earth, right? So what Jesus does here is fulfilling the prophecy that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, okay? Any of you guys know what the word Hosanna means? We just sang it a little bit earlier, right? We know what Hosanna means. You people have been singing a song and you don't know the meaning. Hey. Huh? What? Praise, praise to God. Not quite, not quite. It's a adoration. Not quite. It's a form of adoration, but not quite. Yes. Anybody else? Joy, not quite, not, yes, yes, sure, go ahead. Not praise, not quite, not quite. It's all a form of praise. Brent, not holy, not quite. It is an expression, not quite. Huh? What do you mean it's like an expression? It's like saying like, what's good? No, it's not like saying what's good. It actually has a meaning. Huh? All right, yes. Say, I heard it. Save us. Save us. Let's say that on three. One, two, three. Save us. Amen. 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 You gotta put a please on that, right? When you're talking to the Lord, all right? So, please save us. So, picture this with me, guys, all right? Now we've got Jesus on the donkey, and he's walking, and he's, you know, he's riding on the donkey, and the donkey's bringing him into Jerusalem, all right? And you've got all these people who just saw, remember when we talked about Lazarus a few weeks ago, right? These people saw Lazarus get raised from the dead. So they know, hey, this is Jesus. Or, and they heard about it too. They know, hey man, this man is legit. He's here and he's about to save us. Right? Now do we know what they're about to get saved from? No. Their sins. Dude, what do they know? What do they think they're about to get saved from? Oh man, y'all been studying. I love you guys, man. Praise God. Praise God. You guys should be up here just teaching this. But um, we'll get back to that part in a bit. But a couple lessons I want us to note down really quickly for today, right? Because you guys know all my point people. I'm a point person, so all my point people, you know, let me give you these points. Point number one, lesson number one, is that Jesus accepts the title of Messiah in the most humble way possible. Jesus accepts the title of Messiah in the most humble way possible. When you guys think about it, this is the first time that Jesus admits to being the Messiah. All the other times, when he's like, hey, you're the Savior, and Jesus would tell him, no, 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 hold up, hold up. Don't say that yet. My time has not come yet. But now Jesus' time has come as he enters into Jerusalem to be crucified, right? Next week. So, Jesus goes there in the most humble way possible. 
Typically, a king, if he's going into a particular place, there are many, many options. Yes, they didn't have Teslas, they didn't have Bugattis, they didn't have the Z4s, right? But if, if, you, if you're Jesus, right, like if you're God, how would you roll up into Jerusalem? Would you be rolling up into Jerusalem in a donkey? What would you be rolling up in there in? A chariot, right? Give me like just one chariot. Give me a whole crew, right? At least 12 at minimum, you know, to so give me about 12 of them. And I, I roll in there. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to roll into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it serves two purposes. One, it's fulfilling the promise of what was said. And two, Jesus shows that humility is very, very important. He doesn't go there on this war horse, right? And the donkey also serves another purpose as well. A king would typically go on a horse if he was going into a time of war, right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This, I'm bringing peace to Jerusalem. And I'll get back to what that means in a minute. So when you're going on peace, when you're in peaceful times, you go on there and you, and you ride on the donkey, amen? So that was the first one. Now the question to you guys is, how do you respond when you guys are in a position of power? When you're the guy, did you guys ever watch that movie? Uh, there, was one, there was this movie, I think it was Shark Boy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a part in there. He was like, I'm looking for the guy. Did I get the wrong movie? Spy Kids. Did you ever watch Spy Kids? Okay, Spy Kids 3, right? And then he was like, hey, look, I'm looking for the guy. Who's the guy? Are you the guy? And then the guy actually shows up. And he's like, wait, I'm the guy, right? And then the guy, the guy doesn't last very long. But... That guy was in the position of power, and he was like, yeah, I'm the guy. When you guys are in a position of power, when everybody's looking towards you, right? When you got the new clothes all faded, everything is nice, nice, right? How do you respond to people? How do you respond? Do you respond with humility, or are you like, yep, I got it, right? If I were to ask you guys, where are you in terms of Humility, humbling yourselves before people. Hum- humility doesn't mean lacking confidence, right? Don't get me wrong. Humility doesn't mean like just being meek, right? Humility is allowing God to increase and you decrease, right? Always see- seeking ways to put God above yourself. All right? So in your lives, where are we in terms of humility? Do you humble yourselves? Like, you may be the smartest kid in the world. How do you portray that? Right? You may be the best well-dressed. You may be the best athlete. Got all the accolades. How do you portray that? Are you humble in your dealings? Because one thing that I learned in Luke, guys, that's the scariest thing ever, is that if you do not humble yourself... God will humble you for you. Just humble yourself so that you may be exalted. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And those who exalt themselves, exalting just means lifting yourself up. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So please, walk in this life. You can be the smartest person, and that's perfectly fine. You can be the best well-dressed, that's perfectly fine. 
But it's all about how you carry yourself and how you go about it. Remember, we're dealing with people, right? And I don't want somebody to just think, oh, you just have so much pride in you and that's, and that's it. So this kind of writes you off for the things that you have to share about what you learned about God and just your story, right? People don't necessarily pay too much attention to what you're saying. They remember more so about how you make them feel. Are you being humble before those people? Amen? So let me keep on walking because I know our time is fast spent. Second thing, lesson number two, point number two for my point people. The people draw cloaks and leaves, the palm leaves, right? The palm trees in front of Jesus. And that symbolizes submission to him as the savior. Yeah, I just used that word. It symbolizes submission to him as the savior. In our day and age, um, the word submission is a bit of a taboo word. If you don't know. Submitting to God has become a taboo word. Why do I need to lay everything down? Similar to what we learned last week. Remember we learned that Mary dropped the oil, she used her hair, wiped the feet, everything, right? And in this situation here, these guys lay their cloaks on the floor. They put palm trees there, showing submission to God as Savior. So the question here is that have we truly submitted to Christ? What would we lay down? What would you lay down? Right? Yes. Yes, the second point is just that um, the people submitted to God, laying down the cloaks and the leaves symbolizes submission to God as Savior. So, in your own lives, you don't need to answer the question right here, but what would you truly lay down? Have you truly laid everything down for Christ? Have you truly submitted to him? Is there something that you wouldn't drop at the pinch of a hat to run after him? If Jesus is right in front of you, right? And he's like, hey, come give me a hug. But you've got all your favorite things in your hands. Will you drop those favorite things and give God a hug? Right? So that's a little bit of a, if, if you got a, Hesitate a little bit for quite some time. And you got a little bit of work to do, right? And it's not easy because there are things in this world, good, perfectly good things that if we're not careful, we place over God, right? So we just need to be careful in that. Um, like I said, I'm going to keep moving. It's because of time's sake. Any questions so far? We good? Yes, question. <coughs> Sorry, say that again. Jesus uh-huh. Yes. The second one was to fulfill the promise. Yes, to fulfill the prophecy. <clears throat> and write down Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 to 10. And that's where the promise was said by the prophet Zechariah. Okay? I think it's in Daniel somewhere as well, but I have to do a little bit of digging for you guys. This, this is what these Israelites knew this, all right? And that's why they were laying down those cloaks. They were like, oh, wait, 
Here's Jesus and he's on this donkey and he's coming. He must be the Messiah. He must be the Savior because, you know, remember guys, these guys were studied, all right? They knew all the prophecies. They knew all the promises. And so when they would see Jesus on the donkey, he was like, hey, yep, that's it. That's him. That's the Messiah. Hosanna. Come save us. Amen. That's number three. Point number three. Where Jesus is, there is victory. Where Jesus is, there is victory. But in order for us to acknowledge the victory, <coughs> excuse me, I'll give you a minute to write that part down. Where Jesus is, there is victory. But in order for us to acknowledge the victory, We must be on the same page with Jesus on what the problem is. We must we must be on the same page with Jesus on what the problem is. We need to be on the same page about what we're claiming victory from. To where Jesus is, there is victory. But in order for us to acknowledge the victory, we must be on the same page with Jesus on what the problem is. We got to be on the same page about what we're claiming victory from. So, a little bit of a history lesson with this, guys. Anybody know what a <clears throat> anybody anybody know what a palm tree represents? The palm leaf. What does it represent? You guys have had one before, right? When you were kids. Hosanna, 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 in the, yeah. I'm singing it wrong. Mary, I'm gonna give you the mic. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna do a battle it out, right? Anybody know what the branches symbolizes? Don't be Googling. Stop Googling. Yes. No? Yes. Victory. In a way, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Okay. Anybody else wanna try it? No, it does not mean peace, yes? It does not mean faithfulness. All right, I was a little bit, a little far left. <clears throat> all right, let me tell you what it means, all right? A palm tree, guys, a palm branch symbolizes time of war, symbolizes nationalism for the Jews at that time, for the Israelites. So they're like, hey, Jesus is here. We about to go to war and we're about to take over, right? And everything's gonna be great. So that's why they laid down those palm branches, okay? Because they're like, what's going on right now? These Israelites, guys, they're living in Rome, in Jerusalem, right? And they are under Roman rule. This time the Roman Empire has taken over all of it. So it's not like they've got their own place anymore. Remember, because of their disobedience, they were scattered all over the place. So we're, put, your, put your head, like last week I said, put your mind in the mind of Mary. This week I'm saying, put your mind in the mind of the Israelites and see where they're coming from. They've been oppressed. They've been, you know, brought down low by the Romans and they've kept hearing about this savior that's gonna come and save them. So when Jesus is coming, the type of victory that they're expecting here, they're saying Hosanna because as you guys said earlier, they think that Jesus is here to overthrow the government. Right? They think that Jesus is here to finally save them from all of these 
years that they've been oppressed and they've been crying out to God for a savior to come and fix that problem for them. Right? But Jesus rolls in and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm about here to do. If anything, pay, pay, pay the government your taxes and pay them what you owe them. So that's why I asked you guys to say this in the beginning where I said, I don't know all of your problems, but I know your biggest one. Jesus came into this world to make a way for your biggest problem to be addressed. And your biggest problem is that you and I both have wronged God. We have sinned against him. We've disobeyed him. He showed us the way, he showed us the path. And for time after time, we spit in his face by going the opposite way. God is holy and we are not by ourselves. If you guys read through Numbers, Exodus, boy, there's a ton of verses about you got to sacrifice this goat. It's got to be a pure goat. It's got to be this part of the goat. It's got to be this part of the lamb. A ton of things that need sacrifice that need to be done just for forgiveness and atonement. So let's just take a moment and really soak that in and acknowledge that all of that was still not enough until Jesus said, hey, I'm here. And he who was perfect, he who knew no sin, became sin for us, right? As we're told in Romans, I believe. So Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us paved that way for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. I know you guys know the story and I know it sounds simple, but our day-to-day doesn't show that we truly acknowledge this victory that we have received. Some of us are still under the shackles of sin. Some of us are still struggling with things time and time again that we just can't seem to jump out of. Some of us simply don't even care. We're just indulging in it. Guys, he died on the cross. But we'll jump more into that next week. But I want you to know that the Roman, the Jews, the reason why they ended up, we go from, think about it, guys. We go from Hosanna to crucify him in just six days, five to six days. The same people that were shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. These are the same people that were like, Jesus, wait, you didn't come, you didn't overthrow this government. What you doing? They turn on him. And instead they say, crucify him. So we got to be careful. We got to be mindful of this. That we have to acknowledge that Christ came to solve our biggest problem. And I know that there are other problems in this world. Trust me, God knows that too. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about them. But letting you know that all those problems are temporary. They have temporary effects. They have temporary consequences. But where your soul is, where your heart is, whether it's with God or not, that has eternal consequences. So that is our biggest problem. Thanks be to God that he sent his son to come and be that sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice for us, that when we ask for forgiveness truly within our hearts and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he forgives us and he makes that way. 
We are holy because He is holy. We are righteous because He is righteous. Amen? So, let me jump on to the next point. And this is, remember how I was talking about the donkey? The cult, the found. So, this part I'm going to go through really fast. Take notes as you, as you will across. Whichever part of it sticks out to you, summarize it in your own way, okay? Just because of the timing that we're in. Olivia, do you mind checking where they are in the main service room, please? Thank you. Oh, offering. Okay. All right, guys, I got I to gotta, I gotta gotta wrap it up. So, the cult. We all know what a cult is now, right? What's a cult? A little, yeah, the fowls of the cult. That little donkey. So, let me tell you this real quick. In what we read in John, how many cults were there? How many donkeys were there? What we read in John, how many donkeys were there? How many donkeys were in John chapter 12? Four. We are getting four donkeys. Hey. Okay, let me just tell you this outright. Exactly. Yes, there were two. There were two. So sorry, oh, sorry. There were two donkeys in the beginning. There was like, think of it as like the mother donkey and the baby donkey. All right. Now, Jesus ends up sitting on the baby donkey. All right. She sits on, on, on the younger colt. So I'm going to lay out a couple of facts and then I'm going to give you guys a summary of what we infer from these facts. All right. This donkey was just sitting out in the cold for the longest time. He's been there for a minute. Him and his mother was walking with him. The cult, as we've already established, it had never been written before. Nobody had ever sat on its back. The cult was chosen over the mother to be sat on, to fulfill the prophecy. Okay? The cult was young. That's another fact. Fact number four. The cult's job was to get Jesus to Jerusalem and fulfill the prophecy that was told by Zechariah and Daniel in the Old Testament. Fact number five, the cult lived outside, tied up and exposed to the weather, whether it was raining, whether it was hot, whether it was snowing, that cult was feeling everything. The cult, as stated in John and in Mark, would be returned back to its owner, would be returned back after its use. Okay, fact number, what number is this? Six? Six, six? okay, let's go with six. All right, fact number six, the cult had owners, but the owners yielded, you know what I mean when I say yielded? The owners gave up the cult when they were told that the Lord needed them. This signals that the cult's true owner is who? Is Jesus Christ. So I said all these things about a cult. Why am I talking about a cult? Anybody want to take a guess where we're going here? Yes? Well, we said all that part in the cult, but that, that, that's a part of it too. That, that's a part of the facts. All right. Let me walk with, let me walk with you just a little bit further here. Put yourself, guys, in the position of the cult. 
as the young donkey. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you feel like you're just being used? You feel like you're just working back and forth? No appreciation, nothing. Jesus is the true owner of not just the call, but of us as well. He's our true owner, and he may do with us whatever he pleases. In this case here, he said the cult, I'm going to ride on the cult. One is done, take the cult back. Jesus, too, may do with us whatever he pleases. You know, you guys, when you're, when you're up here and you're like, God, I want you to use me. It sounds all great in song, right? God, use me, you know. It sounds wonderful in song. But in practice, that using you to do his work can be very hard. It can be downright painful. Because when we come down to the point of, of understanding that love is doing whatever is necessary so that the glory of God may be made known in all the earth, painful things may happen, right? But it's all of that is building us and is shaping us as well. Don't take, don't think that whatever task is being asked of you, when you ask God to use you, whatever he tells you to do, don't think that it's meaningless or that it's less than. A lot of us are here, and many of us, the majority of us do not serve in some capacity here. The majority of us do not. But you guys are all so gifted in your own ways. You see our here are instruments here today, for example. We don't have a group, right? We've been asking, okay, who's interested? Who wants to kind of set up and break down? We don't have that. But there's so many of you guys with so many giftings, strength, everything that you can use. It's not a meaningless task. If somebody doesn't set it up, there's no praise and worship. If the cult doesn't get over to Jerusalem, that prophecy is not getting fulfilled. You guys tracking with me now? And it seemed like a meaningless task, but it was so, so key. Because if that cult wasn't there, the people would not have realized that this is the promise fulfilled and that Jesus is Messiah. Like I said, perhaps you are this cult. And you know, you know your role, whatever it is that God has placed in you. Maybe you, you know you're doing it, right? But sometimes I'm speaking to the people who are involved. I'm speaking to the people who are laboring, right? For God's glory to be made known in their own way, shape, or form. And that laboring can be a matter of having a conversation with a friend, right? Taking what you learn and sharing with other people. When you do that, you're allowing God to use you, which is wonderful. Continue to do that. God bless you guys. But I'm here to exhort you. I'm here to encourage you and say that I know sometimes we grow tired of being used. Especially when there is no appreciation, nothing for it. But please, it, it sucks to feel used. 
oftentimes though, I want I, what makes it better, makes it a bit easier for us though, is that when we understand the importance of the role that we played for our own development, for development in other people's lives. Sometimes you may be in somebody's life for a short period just to benefit them in some way. Maybe just to speak a word over their life that they may take with them and that changes how they view God. And that they may, from then on, they may never talk to you again. They may not even be friends with you. Something may happen and then you guys go your separate ways. And you might feel used in that instance. I'm here to say that I get you and I sympathize with you. But also know that it wasn't meaningless. Nothing that happens is meaningless. Everything that happens works together for the glory of God to make his glory known. Amen. So please write down Galatians chapter six, verse nine. You guys take that home. And that's essentially talking about do not grow weary of doing good for in due time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, I'm not here to promise you that if you are, if you're doing God's work, that means that you're going to become a millionaire or that means that you're going to be happy every day. No, but one thing that I can promise you, the harvest that you will reap is that eternal life with Jesus. And there's a crown waiting for you when we meet him again someday, man. There are gifts. There are different gifts depending on what it is that we do on this earth. And now that's a whole nother sermon, but I can give you details on that on a different time. Don't be focused so much on those gifts. Just be focused more so on growing with God in what it is that you do in this life. Guys, I appreciate the time that you've given me. Um, for those of you guys that are laboring, please do not give up. Do not give up, okay? Um, it, it means a lot. Like our praise worship team, you guys that come up here, it means a lot. Your presence here, it means so much. For those of you guys that may not have been here a few years back that are now in praise worship, you may not know that there was a time we had nobody come up. There was a time I was out here singing. And you know that's, right? Right? There was a time I was up here singing. So... God bless you guys for all of that. Keep pushing, keep laboring. A funny story just really quickly. When I started teaching and working with you guys here, we used to do um, all nights on Fridays. And now, you know, we have our Fridays with our wonderful people, they come and join us. But um, this all night that I went to one time, I remember I was standing right here and I invited everybody. I was sitting right here. And my little brother was sitting right here. And guess, did anybody else show up that day? No, it was just the two of us. I had driven so far to get here. And I told my aunt, and my aunt was like, you know, don't worry about it, man. You just, you just give them the word. And that was encouraging for me. And years later, I'm still before you guys. Hopefully I've been able to help make an impact in your lives in some way, shape, or form. Just a small one, I hope. If not now, then hopefully down in the future, okay? So please, all that to say, if I had given up, I wouldn't be able to be before you guys today. Keep pushing, keep pressing in the way that you're laboring. 
for those of you guys who are not yet involved in anything in your own life, I'm not just talking about hero. Just in your life, how are you being? Are you just waking up, going to school, playing Fortnite or whatever games, and you're done for the day? I hope that's not it. Remember, I said that the cult was young, right? The cult was young. You too are young, but the cult allowed himself to be used. A cult was used for God's glory. So you're never too young and you're never too old. Please dig deep and ask God how he may use you today. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word that you've given us today. Lord, we thank you. We give you all glory, honor, and adoration. Father, as you've entered into Jerusalem, Lord, coming with all the tears in your eyes, Lord God, for all that was about to happen in that time, yet you continue to press forward. God, we thank you so much for sending your son to come and die for us on the cross, to come and pave a way for us to be forgiven and to be in newness and right, right standing with you, dear God. Thank you for the opportunity, O oh Lord. Let us never take it for granted the message is so simple, yet it's so difficult to live out and remember in our lives someday. Father God, I pray for each and every single person here today that they never forget what you have done and they never forget to put that into practice. Whenever they feel like doing something, Lord, that is counter to your word, let them remember the work, the sacrifice that your son put in, the blood that was shed on the cross, for them to even have an opportunity to be forgiven of what they're, of the evil that they're planning to do. God, please forgive us of our sins and make, us a, make a way for us. Continue. We thank you for making a way for us to reconcile back to you. Heavenly Father, we pray also for each and every single person here who is working and laboring in the field, but feeling tired, feeling stressed, feeling unappreciated. Father God, please let them know that they are so dearly loved. Let them know that surely, surely you will reward them in their life. And God, for those of us who have heard this message today, they may not be involved in anything either at here at church or in their own life, in their own ministry. God, please push them, speak with them, and have them really, really dig deep and ask themselves, in what ways can they be a blessing to your people? In what ways... May they serve the people around them, whether it be in their schools, in their jobs, in here, Lord God. Show them the path and turn the hardness that is in their hearts, soften their hearts so that they may be in alignment with you, O oh Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this message that you've given us today. I thank you, dear God, for allowing me to be able to speak through all of this and speak to your people and pray, Lord God, that this message was edifying to them as it has been for me as well. We thank you, dear God. Lord, we give you all glory, honor, and adoration. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Let the saints say amen. amen.